As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I go over the Sixers draft day haul of Jaden Springer, Philip Petrasev, and Charles Bassey and what is going on with the Ben Simmons situation. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bonner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, the part of the Athletics Podcast Network. Well, you know, Rich, the the draft came, it went. uh, As we all expected, there was a trade on draft night. Just not necessarily the trade that I think a lot of people were looking for. How you doing, Rich? I'm good, man. I uh, I gotta say, we've been doing this for a while. I, I don't exactly know when the first draft recap pod was, but I, we're probably going back seven, eight years at this point now. I gotta say, in terms of the juice, that was about as boring of a draft <laughs> as we have had from a Sixers standpoint. I don't know if that transfers over to the entire NBA, but man, I was falling asleep. <laughs> once, once it was clear, Ben Simmons was not going to be down. Yep. That was really the only chance to make it exciting. But I mean, the draft itself, it, it had absolutely nothing. Even, even last year, like we're talking, you know, they, they've been good for a few years now, e- even last year and, and the year before, you know, drafting Matisse, Drafting Max, it yeah. just had more juice than last. Time. Well, the because ju- last year they had the um, the Thunder pick, so they were higher than they normally would be. The difference between drafting at twenty and twenty eight is pretty substantial. Uh, it was yeah, not a lot of juice. Um, and also you had the you you had Daryl Morey had just taken over. You had the yeah. Al Horford trade that happened early on. Two on trades that night. night. Yep, uh, and uh, Josh yeah. Richardson too. Yep. But by the way, the new the new Boston Celtics. Boston Celtics. Uh, they're they're they're. Yeah, they're back together. Um, Brad, Brad Stevens, who knew that he was watching the 2019-20 ers as he was sweeping their ass out of the bubble and says, that's I, need, we gotta get I need that. <laughs> yeah. That's what I need. <laughs> um, but yeah, there wasn't a ton of juice. There was a lot of intrigue over whether or not they would trade Ben Simmons because this is one of the bigger trade days of the year. You did see some big trades across the NBA go down, most notably huh. 
Russell Westbrook, which is going to be interesting, uh, but not the what team that What are they doing? Oh. <laughs> it's interesting, yeah. Um, we don't have to get into it too much, but what are they doing? Look, what, what are you doing, I get it. I guess some people just want to like throw as much talent as they can at a problem. Uh, I don't think he is the right fit for that squad. Um, that, you're, you're taking the ball out if of they LeBron. Traded, yeah. yeah. If they could have traded that for Buddy Heald, would have been way better. And I think Buddy Heald is not that good. No, but Buddy Heald is overrated, but they could have gotten Buddy Heald for cheaper. Probably kept KCP while doing that and had a better, like to me, the whole thing, even if you think Russell Westbrook is not as overrated as some people do, I think everybody agrees he's overrated to some degree, but some people probably think he's less overrated than others. Even if you're relatively high on Russell Westbrook, the end result is you're taking the ball out of LeBron freaking James's hands. I, yeah, I don't entirely get, you want to make LeBron more effective, not take the ball out of his hands, but you know what the common, the common thread of what we were just talking about before, the 2019-26ers, and whatever the hell the Lakers are doing right now, is that fit matters once you have star players in the NBA. It really does. Fit and shooting really matter when you have star players in the NBA. And the Lakers are just, they completely forgot about it. Yeah, they're they're, they're making their star players' lives more difficult and giving it to a less talented, worse decision. Anyway, anyway, we're not a... Lakers podcast. It is a, a, a that, that was a shocker of all the places they would go all in for. That was not who I was expecting it to be. Anyway, and also then for it to come out that Bradley Beal was, eh, I'm I'm good in Washington. Like you thought maybe that was going to be a precursor to you know because there had been all that reporting that Bradley Beal was debating whether or not to ask for a trade leading up to the draft. When that trade happened, you went, oh, well Bradley Beal must came to his decision. He must want to trade out. Apparently he doesn't. We'll see. That obviously that that does impact the Sixers, but we are getting completely off track here. Which uh, you know what? Now I, Bradley Beal, he he's looking this, at that and saying, you know, we took maybe a step back, but only to the ninth seed. Look, you know, I think we got KCP back. We're good to go. When you're starting at the eighth seed, there, there really isn't that far of a drop between that and the teams <laughs> yeah. that like really aren't trying. There that really aren't too many. Eight of them. seed. Pl- maybe he saw the news that there's a play-in tournament and said, "You know what? Yep. We're good to go." I don't know. I don't know what Bradley Beal is thinking. That really is going to be a, a major topic for the entire postseason because I don't know what Bradley Beal is thinking. And I don't know what Damian Lillard's thinking. And for those two, I mean, for Dame, anyway, the Sixers selected three players. We will get to all of that in a bit. Uh, so these Sixers, not only is the, the trade we referenced now five minutes ago, they bought the 53rd overall pick in the draft. So we came in expecting them to trade the 28th pick. Quite frankly, I expected them to trade it maybe select one player in a second round. They ended up keeping not only their two picks that they had, but gaining a third. And as of now, at least keeping all three of them, uh, you don't really know because none of them are signed. So there you could still trade them second round picks. You can trade the rights to yada, yada, yada. Things could still happen, especially with the, um, uh, free agency happening in what feels like about an hour or two, not quite, but it feels that way. Everything is condensed, but they ended up with Jaden Springer, a six foot four, six foot four guard out of Tennessee, super young, played at 18, won't turn 19 until the fall. Uh, Charles Bassey, a, a more defensive minded big man, Western Kentucky, three year player there. And then Philip Petrusev, a played two years at Gonzaga, was okay for them, uh, went overseas, played for Timothy Delalo Cabarro's old team, added a bit to his game over there, won the MVP of the Adriatic league at 21 years old. So they added him. He is more of a stretch five added what I 
Averaged like 23 and seven, something in that range for them uh, last year. I don't have his stats right up in front of me, but really the key with him that year is, is he added a three point shot to his game where he really didn't have that with Gonzaga. So they came out with, and and you reported on this, Petrosev is um, going to be a stash candidate. So don't expect to see him here with the Sixers next year. You might see him in summer league. Don't expect to see him on the roster next year. We'll see. Um, we'll see what they can offer. I guess take a step back. Before we get into all the Ben stuff, because that's kind of tough to avoid. Overall thought on the people they actually did select. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen these guys play all that much basketball. That's part of the other reason. There was uh, there's less juice. Even last year, I, I did a decent amount of maxi prep before the uh, before that pick was made. These guys, I, I have not seen all that much of. Certainly have watched some highlights of Springer over the past... Uh, 24 hours, and, and certainly will, would like to get into that. I guess the, the overarching take on that, though, is, you know, going into the night, it was sold as the Sixers are going to make win-now moves. They're going to sell this pick in the 20s for a player who can help. And, you know, this is just kind of reading the tea leaves on the entire league. I don't think those picks in the 20s had a lot of value yeah. at all. And I, I think, you know, the reporting on that, which... Um, was probably, you know, influenced from the Sixer side. I'm sure they, they wanted to trade that pick for veteran help. But no, just no, nothing. no, Rich. Every team had the player they ended up selecting really high on their draft board, and they Can't could not that believe way. they fell that far. Yeah. How did it they fall would, that way? They never would have traded this pick if they knew Jaden Springer was going to be there. Never would have happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they didn't do that, you know, and I think that was – Partially because of what uh, I, I think the the draft board and really the the trade climate did not fall the way they wanted it to. I think that's probably fair to say. Um, as far as their, their picks too, they also didn't go win now. They didn't go with no. a you know no. a four year player. I mean, they took an eighteen year old, which by the way I think is cool. Like I think sure th- that means he has a chance to grow. But he's not helping them this year, you know. He's yeah. an 18-year-old with shot uh, questions. Of, of course, that's always the swing skill with the Sixers. So, you know, when you take him, you take a guy who you're going to stash in somewhere in Europe, you would imagine. Maybe he'll stay there. Uh, fun fact on Petrosev, too. Adriatic League MVP, Dario Saric, yep. Nikola Jokic. It's, I think if you're an NBA prospect in that league, you you can win it. Uh, M- Misic also played. Our, our buddy Misic also played for oh, that. Poor uh, one out for him. He was included in what the Horford, Horford trade. trade. Yeah, yeah. Um, so turned turned into a pretty good European player. Yeah. So you have him, and then you have Bassey, who is you know he's he played three years. I I know he was a. I I, I remember when he chose Western Kentucky. It made some news because he was a five-star recruit, and that was something that Daryl Morey mentioned a lot after last night's game. But basically, I look at all three of these it wasn't, guys. It wasn't and, a game, Rich. They, they, they weren't playing a game last night. Oh, sorry. Well, you... <laughs> I didn't correct you earlier when you said the, the story of the postseason when you meant offseason. So, you know, we got we well, let it go yeah, I've been, We, I've are, been in, we are not in postseason form anymore, for sure. No. The <laughs> uh, So, after the draft, Daryl Morey said that... Uh, you know, that that's a way to sell Charles Bassey. He was good in high school. I, I will say that uh, that line of 
I don't know, defense for a player or that kind of selling point for a player that lost its luster because Sam Hinkie talked a lot about that when Julia Locafor was drafted a lot about that. Hey, if this guy's been the best player in his age group, you know, at all times. So, um, yeah, but basically though, I look at all three of these guys, it, it might turn out great. You know, Jane Springer might learn how to shoot and he might be a, a three and D two guard who really helps the Sixers down the road. Maybe Petrosev keeps developing that shot in Europe. He can come over. Bassey is, Maybe one of those two turns into a decent backup center, which is a nice thing to have with Joel Embiid. My overarching point is they are not helping you this year, yeah. which it's okay, but it's also not okay. I think you, you, in some ways you would have wanted to either trade those picks or, or find guys who maybe would have made uh, helped a little bit more this year. Yeah, and I think I think for the most part, my default stance on most young players, most most prospects, especially drafted in the twenties, they're probably not going to help you right away anyway. So I don't have too big of a problem with that if you make the right selection with that pick. Uh, and and the second round is a little bit different, um, just because you don't expect, quite frankly, either of these two to end up materializing. Uh, if you did expect them, you wouldn't be drafting them in the fifties. A lot of people had to m- make a mistake on this for you to get a chance. I do think Petrosev is interesting offensively because I do think that progress he made with the shot is legitimate. And like for going from going from, you know, Gonzaga to a further three point line in the Adriatic league uh, and to be able to shoot the ball the way that he did. Like, I think that is going to eventually translate to the NBA. I don't think he can defend even a little bit, uh, which is a, you know, a minor concern, but in terms of stylistically, he does make sense as that sort of stretch five, that backup five, um, but I, I just, he's not going to protect the rim. He's not going to move his feet. Uh, if you're going to play a drop, he's going to end up not only drop, but I don't really see him being able to recover and contest all that well at all. I don't really see a scheme he's going to fit in, but you know, we'll see. It's a, I mean, look, it's, he's a, the 50th it's, pick in the draft. It's a late pick. Take yeah, a shot. They're going to have some issues. Yeah, no, you, 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 but I do think the shooting is at least interesting. So it makes sense to draft him, stash him, see how much more pro- progress he can make. The one that everyone's going to talk about, the one that you should talk about, is Springer. You know, I think a lot of people are really high on him, and there's reasons to be really high on him. There are obviously some concerns in there as well. Otherwise, again, he wouldn't have fallen uh, until 28th. So I think let's just start off with what we like about him. And I think, you know, like you, I, I sort of like want to get this out of out of the, the way. Like, I used to be very deep in the draft, um, you know, spending pretty much seven years where that was... I would argue my primary responsibility covering basketball in part because I was working for USA Today and Draft Express, so I had to follow the draft. But also covering the Sixers might as well have been covering the draft. It was, I was Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like Jaden Springer, unfortunately, not not a lot of juice. We prefaced this whole pod with that. Jaden Springer in twenty sixteen. We would have been all over. Yeah. We would have had a three hour podcast. Yeah, 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 of course. But like, I mean, I want to just get that out of the way because I don't want to pretend that I am an expert on Jordan Springer. Or j- you're, you're really not a, an expert on Jordan <laughs> I caught I caught myself at least. I don't yeah. want to pretend that I am an, an expert on Jaden Springer. But I have Great watched. Name. What was that? Jane, Jane Springer. I, I, it's, I, a that'd be, it's a cool name. Yeah. 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 Um, Hope he's good. You know, I, I I watched him a couple times throughout the year. I went back, I watched it a lot last night and this morning. I would like to think that the the amount of basketball and college basketball that you and I have watched and the number of years that I spent covering the draft might make it, you know, so that we can pick up on strengths and weaknesses, what will translate, what won't, what our concerns were pretty quickly. 
but like there previous years, I would have watched half of his games coming in. I haven't done that this year. Uh, so this is more first impression type shit. So tell me about that on ball defense. I keep reading about, I mean, it's, it, he's a really good on ball defender. Um, he is pesky. He's quick. And I think he, he trusts his lateral foot speed very well. And that allows him to get up in a guy's face, really pressure the point of attack, uh, use his hands to try to dis- both disrupt the ball handler and go for steals. And he can recover pretty well. Uh, he doesn't get beat. Like it, he's very different than Matisse um, because he has, he does have better foot speed. I think than Matisse pretty substantially. Uh, and that allows him along with his six, four, four, six, four size, six, eight wingspan, pretty solidly built. Uh, he does. He's not going to get overpowered and he's also going to have that kind of foot speed. I think he's going to be a real good point of attack defender. I think he's going to learn to grow and get through screens pretty well. He doesn't have like a shake Milton esque like shake Milton has like a seven foot wingspan. He has other issues defensively. Don't get me wrong. He doesn't have like a seven foot wingspan, but a six, eight is at least not, um, not like one of the other people we were looking at, uh, Jared Butler. He is like a pretty much even wingspan. He doesn't have a, an even wingspan a negative wingspan. Like JJ, Redick. He has a decent enough wingspan, but not enough where I, th- I don't think he's going to be like a three position defender, but I think he'll be a, a legit two position defender. And if he can do that while also being a really good man-to-man defender, I think he's going to add value defensively. Like I, the the effort is there, the motor is there. I think he's a pretty smart defender, um, and the speed and quickness and hands are definitely there. Like he's got, he, I mean, he's got hand-eye coordination, uh, quick twitch athleticism that I think will translate pretty well. I I do wish his wingspan was maybe two or three inches longer. You can't have a perfect prospect, especially at twenty-eight, but I think he's pretty close to being a a a, a bankable perimeter defender. Which is, uh, look, when you can get a bankable NBA skill set at 28, like that's a good starting point for sure. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Yeah, and it seems like he is more of the on-ball defender type, where I've read that maybe the on-ball defense is not quite as advanced. Although sometimes I wonder with that, that obviously there are guys like Matisse who just have that crazy skill set and are super disruptive. But off-ball defense is often something that does not show itself to be a strength until you get older, until you play a lot of basketball. You know what the fuck you're doing, yeah. Yeah, and... Like we just said, this guy was 18 years old playing college basketball. Like even in the lower level of college, that's still a baby. You know, yeah. he still didn't exactly know what he was doing. So that's cool. And and also like when you've got a, a big like Joel Embiid, you're not going to be switching all that much anyway. Not that defensive versatility isn't is, is isn't something you would love to have, but you need someone who's going to get through through those screens on the perimeter. He's going to have to fight through those, be able to contest a shot, be able to get around a screen, and I think he has a chance to do that. Yep. Um, but then I, I guess we look at the offense after that. And like we said, the uh, the shooting, 
You you had some good numbers in your piece today on the which I don't have he, in front he, of me. He did shoot, I believe he shot 40 plus percent yep. from the three-point line. But when you look at some of the when you look a little bit closer, when you look at the percentage on two two-point jumpers, his percentage on catch and shoot threes, it's and just frankly there's not a lot of volume as uh Daryl Murray said last night after uh after the draft, when he was just like, yeah, you know, he hasn't really shot a lot of threes, so he has to continue to uh, to improve on that end. I mean, that's that's almost non-negotiable. Like, he, he does need to be a uh, a great shooter, because like, like you said, I, I mean, it, it, everybody needs to be able to shoot the ball around Joe Olympia, yep. but certainly a 6'4 guy. You know, and certainly, like, he, like, you figure you're going to end up keeping one of Ben Simmons or Matisse Leibel, and they're probably going to have a bigger role in the rotation if the other one leaves. Having, having Springer... And Thibel on the floor at the same time becomes a little problematic, especially then you throw in Maxi. You're you're adding up the questionable shooters pretty quickly. He needs to figure that out for sure. And to your your point on the numbers, uh, so he shot 20 for 46 from three point range. You just look at the percentage; that's 43.5 percent. Great, no no problems there. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so overall, some of the other numbers, he shot 35.7 uh, percent on catch and shoot shots which is right around average. Now I would say that that's below average because he's very selective with those catch and shoot shots. You're only talking about 28 shots there. And most of them, 18 out of the 28 were what synergy classes classifies as unguarded. I can't tell you exactly what that means. They're not doing that with cameras like they are with sport view um, or, or uh, second spectrum. Now they're doing that with a human eye. So there's a little bit of, of open to interpretation there. But a lot of them were unguarded, and also he passes up a lot. And I think when I started really focusing in and watching, so when you look at that, okay, so he's at shooting an average percentage on low volume of catch and shoot. Hopefully he can grow that a little bit. Where it really breaks down, though, is off the dribble, uh, and his off the dribble shooting was, well, first of all, it was pretty good on the um, on threes, which is how he pulled up his three-point percentage from that 35 36% on catch and shoot to 43%. Uh, but on the much higher sample size, which was on two point jumpers, he shot, and and this this blew my mind. He shot nineteen for seventy on jump shots inside of the three point line. Yeah. That includes sixteen for sixty three, twenty five percent on jump shots, not floaters, not layups, jump shots within seventeen feet from the basket. So you start looking at it. Well, is that very small sample size of three pointers representative, or did he get lucky on a handful of those shots? And that raises his three-point percentage to the point where it looks respectable. Is that larger sample size of short jumpers, which should be pretty easy, more representative of his shooting? And I sort of think that they are, especially off the dribble. Look, I think part of his problem on jump shots, two-point jumpers inside, his shot selection was pretty bad. (laughs) Honestly, watching him, he reminded me a little bit of a more athletic, smaller Josh Richardson, where he would get an open catch-and-shoot three, Hesitate, pump fake, jab step, go into a tough contested two point jumper. Gotta gotta get that out. Which of Which <laughs> would just you, you pull your hair out because on on the one hand, not not only is it a two point shot versus three point shot, he had a better look on a lot of times when he would have a catch and shoot on the perimeter. So you have to and look. This is the difference between a twenty or a eighteen year old and a twenty six year old. Hopefully, especially like Daryl Moore, you know, is is going to be on that. Hopefully, you can get some of these bad habits out of him. But there was that sort of like hesitation which eventually led to a worse shot down the line in him. And I think part of his, like I said, 25% jumpers within 17 feet, 
think part of that comes down to shot selection. That being said, I don't think his form is perfect either. And this is something where I'm going to have to watch a lot more and get a much firmer opinion on. But there was like, if you just, one of the things that really stuck out to me is the timing of his jump and where he was in his jump seemed like it was inconsistent on when he would have his release point. And you combine that with the questionable shot selection and it doesn't seem like his release was consistent in the upper body all that time either. There is certainly a lot to work on. But is he a non-shooter? I'm not sure I'd say that. I do think the shot selection is a big deal. And if he, I wrote in my piece, I think day one, your goal, simplify what he did. I think he tried to do a little bit too much at Tennessee. And it, it's intriguing to let him do that because he is pretty quick with the ball. He does have decent enough handles. He does initiate contact at the rim, which is great. I love, I love guards who get the free throw line, and he's certainly not afraid to do that. But I think he tried to do maybe a little bit too much while he was on the floor. Uh, and I think that led to some of these bad shots. Make him a catch-and-shoot player. And then when he starts nailing those catch-and-shoot players, allow him to attack closeouts a little more freely. And then when that all starts coming together, then maybe he can get a little bit more of that dribble drive game going. But I think he, I think, I think you got to get some of these bad habits out of him and sort of like build him back up. Because I do think there is a good 3 and D prospect there. And not just a good 3 and D prospect, but like someone who can, if he starts ever getting a closeout, can attack it and do some stuff. I don't think he's got great court vision. Like, I think some people look at it and like, well, is he a point guard? I don't think he is. Uh, I, I think he is a two guard who can occasionally make a good pass on a dribble drive and a kick out. But I do think he has some equity in terms of being able to create off the dribble and attack the rim. And like I said, I love a guard who's willing to initiate contact, and he certainly will do that and get the free throw line. He did make 81% of his free throws on a much higher sample. Like, we're talking 100 free throws. So I think you can make a case that that is maybe the blueprint of the touch he could have if he fixes some of these form inconsistencies when he's shooting off the dribble, if he fixes some of these, um, you know, questionable shot selections. But I think it's going to take some, I mean, he's 18 and shooting isn't the question mark you want to have on the Sixers, especially not with this team uh, and their history of developing or fixing shooting problems or creating them or having them spontaneously show up. But I do think there is something to work with. Uh, like I said, at 28, if you can get a bankable NBA skill, that's great. And I certainly think he has that in perimeter defense. I do think some people are just going to look at his, you know, three-point percentage and free throw percentage and say, yeah, nothing to worry about. He's going to be a shooter. I'm not quite ready to make that projection. Speaking of the shooting problems coming out of nowhere, did you see who yeah. he's working out with? Yeah, so... <laughs> He's working out with Keith Williams, who obviously worked with Markel Fultz. Uh, look, that Markel Fultz situation was so weird. I don't want to say I'm willing to give Keith Williams a pass. Don't get me wrong. Like, weird shit went on with Markel. But he did also train Kevin Durant. <laughs> like, Kevin Durant can shoot. Uh, I'm certainly, like, when we talked about this at times uh, with Drew Hanlon and Joel Embiid, and I think Drew Halen's done a good job of getting Joel Embiid to take the next step in his game. Uh, it's tough to define a trainer based on Markel Fultz because Mark... And, and look, Keith Williams had a different relationship with Markel than Drew did. Keith Williams met Markel at a different time in Markel's shot combusting uh, than Hanlon did. Hanlon was trying to just resurrect it. But, look, it doesn't exactly make me comfortable. I'm not going to lie there but Markel might've just been a really weird situation. But yes, I did see that. I did see that. Hmm. Yeah. That's an interesting one. 
it seems like to me, just in in reading some of the stuff, you know, Vizzini stuff, I, it feels like Gary Harris might be, you know, before Gary Harris forgot how to shoot, another guy who forgot how to shoot in the NBA. But at some, at one point, he was a kind of a, a classic three and D two guard where he has to do a lot of smart cutting. Apparently, this Jaden Springer is pretty good at uh, at that as well. It seems like a lot of his his leaping is off uh, two feet, yep. which is what a lot of people say. You would probably like to get that fixed a little bit. I mean, in some ways, I think loves a jump off, stop. Yep, leaping off two. Yeah, for that exact reason, it can be a good thing. Like it could be, you could stay more under control by doing that. But I do think you lose a little bit of explosiveness. Yeah, and you're just more predictable in general when you have to load up off of uh, off two feet at uh, at all times. So yeah, he seems like. Look, I you know I have no idea if he's going to be good or not, but. Seems like a worthwhile swing with a uh, with a pick that deep in the draft. But like like yeah. Maury said, like they're not uh, they're not expecting any of these guys to contribute next year, and I would say especially so with this guy. Yeah, and I mean, if you took Jared Butler, he, he might have been able to yeah, contribute next yeah. year. And look, I think I think Springer has more upside than Butler. Um, Butler had uh, Butler was the other one I was really interested in. Um, I didn't, I didn't really like it. I had a, 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 article leading up the draft where I had four prospects to watch. I didn't include Springer because I thought he was going to be gone in the early twenties. So I do think it's a pretty good value play, but you know, Butler had a skill set that works with Embiid works with what the Sixers need. Could have stepped in day one. I don't worry too much about stepping in day one, but I think Butler was one of the exceptions where, because I think by and large, we overstate how many players can actually step in on day one and help. I think if you want day one help, you trade the pick, uh, which I think think they would have done if the right trade was was there so i don't worry too much about stepping but i do think butler was sort of one of the exceptions where he could have actually stepped in and and, and played a role right from the jump uh but i do think springer has more upside um i'm intrigued by a lot of what he can do offensively like i think he has a good first he has a lot of stuff where it's good maybe above average but not great i don't think he has a great first step but i think he has a good enough first step where he will be able to get into the paint um, at times, I think he has good body control, not exceptional, but good body control. Uh, I think he has decent touch again, not great, but decent touch. And when you combine decent touch and decent body control with a willingness to initiate contact, like I think he will, I don't think he would just be a D and spot up three shooter. Like I think he will do stuff off the dribble, but I think the shot, um, and, and specifically the, the pull-up shot, the off the dribble shot. He's going to have to, because I don't think he's he's explosive enough where he's going to get into the paint consistently without being a threat to pull up from 17 feet. And the decision-making, I think, have, have both got to improve. And, and look, he's he's 18. He's got time for sure. But um, those would be, you know, if I'm going to say, like, well, what, what, what are his swing skills? Those, to me, are the two for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm in, that's a, intrigued that's about by it. him. I got him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll watch more. You know, I will go back and watch most of his games at some point. Uh, certainly, most of the games against big competition, uh, and we will see uh, see see what happens there. Uh, he will be playing here in in um, what I guess about a week and a half in Vegas. Uh, cool, yeah, interesting. Didn't expect to uh, to have a first round pick to talk about. If I'm being completely honest, but I guess that can uh, that can pivot us into our next topic of conversation. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What do you think happened with the uh, with, with the Ben Simmons trade talks? Well, I think the Sixers won it a lot. And everybody in the league that was in a conversation, was willing to give up a lot less than a lot. Yeah, and look, so, you know, we started this off, Bradley Beal hasn't asked out yet. That's a blow to trading Ben Simmons. Dame Lillard has not asked out yet. All the reporting is that he wants to see what Portland does to make, which I don't know exactly what he expects them to do to make them into a contender this year. Um, Who knows whether that means he will maybe change his mind in two weeks, in two months, in 12 months, I don't know. And I I sort of came to the conclusion that anything they do right now has to be to sort of position themselves, not necessarily with the explicit goal, but it's going to be on my mind. Well, what does this mean for acquiring Dame? Because I do think Dame is eventually going to ask out. I don't see Portland turning it around. I think that frustration is going to build. And if I'm being completely honest, I think that could be why they're... Well, look, first of all, there's this negotiation. You start off asking for the moon. And then eventually you meet somewhere halfway. That's part of it. But I think also Daryl is looking for a basically a godfather offer because look, I think there's not going to be a perfect player available. That's going to elevate them to a championship available right now. Uh, I don't think Kyle Lowry alone does that. So I think it's, it's like, okay, well what pieces can we get, which would have trade value down the line as well. So when you look at what he, he asked for back from uh, Toronto and you're talking about, Fred Van Vliet, OG, the fourth pick, and Kyle Lowry. Well, a couple of those you can then, you know, if Dame comes available in six months, you could trade OG and the fourth pick. It would have been Suggs or whoever it would have been that Sixers might have taken as part of core of a trade package. I, I love that one. Everybody except Siakam, the guy that Toronto might trade. Yeah, the, the guy that, that doesn't want to play for Nick Nurse or reportedly doesn't want to play for Nick Nurse. Yeah, Um. so you you, you ask. If they say yes, then you've got you've got players who can help you win now, and you've got pieces that can be used as part of a trade package. Uh, I think I don't do I know that that's what Daryl's thinking. No, but I think he's look. You can't get a the one I'll go back to. You can't get a Sacramento Kings esque trade package that Hinky got if you don't ask for it. Uh, and I think yeah. at this point, Daryl he's looking around, probably saying, "Look, the people we actually want, truthfully, aren't available right now. So if I'm going to take somebody who." You know, do I like Kyle Lowry? Yeah, but it would have to be along with a whole bunch of other stuff. And it seems like the two sides are just pretty far apart. Yeah, but I I guess, and I don't blame him for shooting for the moon. I I don't, I think that's a a solid strategy, but, but we are in reality here. And Ben Simmons, you know, you hear about these James Harden type offers that he's looking for. Well, Ben Simmons is not even close to that. No. So, and and he's also at his worst, yeah, his lowest value ever. So this is, I got to be honest, this is why the day after they lost or whenever, whenever we talked about it, we did make the point where we said, "Hey, uh, it, I'm sure it feels right that he needs to leave after that. Like, how could he come back and play in Philadelphia?" 
that said, the actual trade is pretty important. Like you actually like need to get a lot of good stuff or one really good thing back for him. Um, that that is kind of the trickier part. Yeah, sure. It, for all parties, would it be better if they moved on? I think everybody would agree. Yes, on that one. That's that's true. So I, I guess, and the thing with that is, like, I, I don't blame Daryl Morey for asking for a lot, and you know that being the Sixers' negotiating standpoint. But I certainly don't blame any team who gets asked that to just laugh in his face sure. and hang up the phone. Absolutely. And, and here's the thing. Those teams don't have to deal with the problems of what it's going to be so weird if Ben Simmons comes back and plays here because this is public, man. This is like you got loads repeat like reporting on every Daryl's not even like denying it. Like, because Howard Askin asked him in a press conference, he's like, Look, I'm here to talk about the players we drafted. He didn't say, like, No, like, you know, if this would have been the question back last December and January. What do you mean? We'd never trade Ben Simmons. Like, what, he's a 24-year-old guy, blah, 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 blah. Uh, he's not even really making the effort to deny it at this point. And look, I, those are the part of me. What is the way that Woj phrased Rich Paul and his representatives? In uh, lockstep. Yeah, in lockstep. Well, in lockstep sounds a lot to me like it could eventually, you know, escalate into like, get me the fuck out of here. That's the other part. Yeah, yeah that's like, it, that's the precursor to... That and by the way, Rich Paul, the master of the sure. get me the fuck out of here mandate. He, he doesn't. He doesn't want to spend nine months of the entire NBA world speculating about his client being traded. Of course not. Of course not. Um, so yeah, it will be a. Uh, it'll be a, look. I think it became obvious to Daryl that there were um, the players he was looking for weren't trade weren't changing hands uh, on Thursday night in the draft. He can he could pray that Dame comes back from Tokyo and says Right. Like lands Dame, in Portland and says, get me out of here and get me to Philly. When but, Dame was that. Sure. But like not only but when Dame wasn't requesting a trade, when um Bradley Beal wasn't requesting a trade, when Kyle Lowry can't be traded until next week uh, in a sign in trade, when a lot of these pieces that might theoretically be traded for Ben Simmons weren't on the table, it was I think a little less pressing for him to make that deal uh, on, on Thursday night. But your point is a completely valid one. Like in two weeks, do you have to take the best offer available or can you come in back in uh, and truly wait out and see whether or not Dame becomes available? I don't, I don't know. That's why I almost wonder whether or not there could be a deal to set up the next deal, but that's, that's it's very biggest, risky. It's very, it's risky. the biggest question of the Sixers off season. It might be the biggest question, Outside of Lillard's desire to stay in Portland, the biggest question of the NBA offseason is what is the Sixers and also Ben Simmons, because he is part of this as well, what is their appetite yeah. for potentially running this back yeah. if if this offer doesn't materialize? Because I got to be honest, I don't see it right now. I don't see the Godfather offer. And frankly, if I didn't see it, if it didn't happen at the draft, what is going to change in the next couple of months the, the dramatically changes the outlook and makes things, you know, give, gives the Sixers an out. And it's the question, like, what are they, are they willing to actually stick to their guns and say, all right, like you're not ponying up to this level. Fine. We'll keep them. And we're going to be good again next year. And we're going to deal with all of the weirdness and the awkwardness. Yeah. And, Ben is going to deal with all yeah. the weirdness and awkwardness. He's going to be fine answering questions about, hey, how did it feel to be publicly shopped twice, by the way? Did you make the All-Star game three times? Yeah, that's right. You did. Uh, 
I mean, may, may, maybe they'll say, hey, at least if he gets asked about that, nobody will ask about his free throws. They won't even get to that <laughs> part of the uh, part of the thing. It's dude, this is a terror. They're in a bad spot right now. It's just there's no way around it. Yeah. Uh, uh, look, I, I, it'll be. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, did you see the Mark Stein report too? CJ McCollum. Yeah, they're not. I don't. I don't think they're doing CJ. I. I don't think Daryl's doing CJ. If look, if if they do CJ, then they've they've epically mishandled this. Um, Have they? I. Oh. Yeah. I, what if that's the best thing that they can get? Honestly, I I run it back. If if Ben's not going to force his way out, I would run it back. I look, and I I agree with you. I, I think that's probably the right answer. I think that that is what I would do if I were them. But let's not pretend that doesn't. That couldn't open up a can of worms. That is just absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Look, uh, I, I don't think Ben's going to want to be here too long after being chopped. For like I said, I don't think he's going to want to go through nine months of being chopped. Um, we'll see. I don't know how this is going to play out. I thought it, it seemed like there was a lot of momentum building towards a Simmons trade at some point yesterday, but um, no, I think it was just the deadline, man. They, they, I don't think they got that close i oh no no no! i don't think they got close but a lot of the reporting seemed to make it sound like the the discussions were heating up let's put it that way let's put it that way uh yeah i don't know but then again we have we have another trade time in like a week and a, or not even a week and a half like a week uh so we'll, we'll we'll see about that um well and then i think the other the other part of this that we have to talk about not not in in depth, I guess we're, we're going to write about free agency in the yeah. coming days here. Um, of course, because it's like you said, it's like a fucking two night turnaround yeah. to free agency. I can't wait till we get back on a normal schedule next year. We're close. Way. We're close. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, they have to, they have to go about their business in free agency with, I assume like the, the understanding of, okay, this is a deal we will take. What is the probability that we can get this deal? The cap space could be completely different depending on which team yeah. you send it to. I mean, it's just, it's it's pretty wild. I mean, I'm sure there will be Kyle Lowry rumors with the sign and trade, like like we talked about. Very <sighs> tough. That's Very tough. Pretty tough. I actually heard Zach Lowe talking about that today. I man, that's really restrictive. I I don't know. It's uh, and if you have Kyle Lowry, like does moving Ben off the ball. We talked about that. Does that actually increase his trade value? I'm not sure it does. Maybe this. Maybe the Sixers get a little bit better, but maybe, oh no, maybe. it probably hurts his trade value. It probably hurts his trade value. Well, that's it, another part of it. I mean, you know, if it if, might make the Sixers a better team, but but again, Ben's lack of shooting would still be an issue off ball too. Which you would actually have somebody who could create off of the screen at least. But it would, I think, certainly hurt his trade value for sure, for sure. Um, Look, he was, I, and is this really surprising? He was, when he was at his absolute best, like, what, what do you think it, the high point of his value? It, it was probably his rookie year, his second year, is, rookie year, yeah, like when right. he was, when he was killing it at the end of the year. But besides that, I mean, of course, then we're going to trade him at that point. But besides that, maybe that 2019, 20 season when he was playing really well at the end of that year, e- even then he was already established as a super controversial player. Yeah, when a super controversial player has a playoffs like we just saw, I the idea that you know like pe- people will trade him stuff like a lot of stuff. Well, I- I'm sure people would like to have him on their team, but I don't think they want to give up a lot of stuff. It's- yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think Daryl's going to get what he's. Uh, look, 
these are being leaked for a reason. Like, I don't know just because this is what Daryl's asking for is not mean this is what it would take from Daryl no. to, to trade him. But, uh, that's a negotiating yeah, tactic too. Yeah. You ask, ask for the moon first and then you move, uh, towards the middle. But man, I, I just think it's going to be hard to even get, I don't even know, like half of some of those packages that they're yeah. asking for. Yeah. It will. Yeah. I don't know what to say. Um, well, it's just so weird because you have a, a a player who, like, usually when these kind of players become available, it's more because they want to leave because the team isn't good enough or the team hasn't made the progress. It's not like, and at that point, you have to just trade them for what you can get. It's not usually at the team's urging. Um, that's, that's what I mean. And Rich Paul is being like polite right now. Like, yeah, he, he did, that, that's he the is most not always thing about it. Yes, yes, he has not always been polite. Now, to be fair. The other players that he did that with are, are just better, straight up, and better and further in their career and all that. And they gave their their more their, difference makers, not yeah. as many warts for sure. So it's a little bit different in that regards. Do I think that like like before this summer started though? Did I think that that was going to stop him if he really wanted to push no. for Ben to go up? No, no. God no. And it'll, it'll uh, be interesting to see whether or not like what happens with them. You still got Henry Abbott of True Hoop who is pretty adamant that like. Dame will give up money to hold out in training camp and Dame will Dame will force his way out if he has to. And then you've got most of the other reporting saying that Dame wants to wait and see. You've got Dame himself denying that report. Although again, players and people speaking on the record publicly is is a lot about perception and negotiation and, and leverage and all that stuff as well. Yep. Um, so that's why that happens. You can't always take people at their word. In fact, and sometimes people speaking uh, with their name attached to it is even more political than anonymous sources so you've got to read into everything that people say but it'll look at maybe maybe henry abbott's true and in three weeks after the dust settles of free agency like maybe dame will one out but that's a huge risk to take because at that point rosters are pretty much set at that point you might have to be willing to come in and and have been on the team until the trade deadline which he might just get like a week into it and be like fuck this shit i want out it there there's a lot of different ways this can play out for sure it's just such a weird holding pattern that they're in. I mean, you can't even, you, you cannot even look ahead past two weeks and project out, okay, this is what this will look like. And this is what this will look like because this massive domino could change everything. Yep. Anyway, so they have Jaden Springer. Jaden Springer. We, we know he's going to be here. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe the team. You don't really know, but yeah. yeah. Um, especially like if, if Daryl drags us out and doesn't sign him to a contract right away, the, uh, Speculation will begin, but even if he signs a contract, it's not like you got to wait that long. the The off season can go in a million different directions. Rich and I have no idea which one it will go in, but sign up at theathletic.com slash sixers and we will write about it when it happens. I don't know. What you you can get fifty percent off you now. Can get fifty percent off. So in training camp, when we're saying, "Okay, Ben Simmons sneezed," does that mean he wants out? <laughs> right. You'll be able to read that for free. We're we're probably getting to the point where we can start uh, analyzing Instagram shooting videos. And wonder not whether or not this is the year, whether or not other teams believe this will be the year. We can we can talk about all kinds of nonsense, and we probably will. But I think that's probably enough nonsense here for this podcast because we have now been rambling for quite a while. So we will cut it off unless you have any last second thoughts on uh, Petrosev or Springer or anyone. I think I'm no thoughts. Looking forward to see him play. So I actually have more thoughts. There you go. Thank you for jumping on, Rich, and we will talk to you soon. See you, man.